0: to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we interview Carrie Costello, co-founder and COO, and Rachel Babcock, a researcher, both at HeadCheck Health. As you know, we don't always talk about periods, vaginas, and boobs on this show, although I do love it. We also talk about things that disproportionately and differently affect women. And today, we are talking about concussions. Why concussions? Because the rates of concussions are higher in women. The symptoms in women are more severe than in men, and it takes longer for women to recover from a concussion than men. HeadCheck is a startup that is working towards building a better concussion diagnostic test for use on the sidelines of sports activities. I love the brain. I value my brain, and I am really excited to hear what they have to tell us about the lady brain. Enjoy. Hey, ladies, Carrie, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having us. We're yeah. excited to be here.
0: So excited to have both of you. We don't normally have two people, <laughs> three people on, but I'm excited to have a party, a femtech party
1: absolutely me too
0: <laughs> are you both in Canada
1: yes different yes. sides of the country
0: oh yes <laughs> one of you's on the east one's on the west yep
2: yep I'm uh I'm based in Toronto
0: Toronto and I'm in Vancouver do is there a lot of Canadians in the middle I feel like I only know Canadians from those two sides
1: <laughs> yes there yeah, are absolutely. okay I think they
0: migrate okay <laughs> If you live in the middle of Canada, reach out to us. I want to hear from you. Um, <laughs> we do have a lot of Canadian listeners, so that's exciting. Um, well, yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. We're going to be talking about concussions, which, you know, y'all reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we think this might be an interesting topic. And honestly, when I I was like, oh, no, this is a women's health and wellness. And you guys said, you know, well, women actually experience concussions differently. So I am really, really interested to hear some of the science behind that. I think our listeners are going to love that too. Uh, we love, you know, femtech for us is anything that solely disproportionately or differently affects women. And so, you know, concussions happen to all genders, but I'm excited to hear today a little bit of how it might be different for women. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think, uh, you know, we've been working with sports teams uh, across Canada and and in the United States, and a lot of our teams have athletes, both genders, uh, Mm -hmm. same sports, both genders, Uh, we have colleges, universities, and uh, we're seeing some interesting trends, even within our own populations, our own customer bases, so... Yeah, happy to talk about that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, a lot of our femtech startups say like, yeah, we're pretty much discovering it because there's not enough research, and so like we knew there was something happening, but our our own company is actually un- revealing the truth behind it. So I'm I'm really excited. Um, we love to start with the founders' backgrounds. So um, you know, our listeners, many of them are aspiring femtech founders, and they may be studying political science or marketing or, you know, writing, journalism. Um, Everyone has different backgrounds when they come to femtech. So tell us a little bit of your personal stories, where you're from, what did you study, what did you work on, and then how did you end up here?
1: Sure. Uh, I'll start first. My name is Carrie. I I started off this company after, uh, I think, years and years of being involved in sport. I was a coach. I was an athlete myself. Uh, and when I was coaching, I came across some athletes who suffered some injuries that I didn't know how to handle. And you go through your first aid training, and, and sometimes it covers off the injuries that you're exposed to, and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, one of my athletes suffered a concussion uh, during one of our, our games, and she was out for, I think, the better part of three months uh, during the basketball season. And so uh, it was always an incident that stuck with me. Um, I studied psychology uh, and sociology when I was doing my undergrad and continued on into business and when I met my co-founder Harrison uh, he was studying uh, sensory motor physiology and uh, his his idea was to help map balance and use balance as a uh, an objective tool for measuring uh, impacts in concussion testing mm. and so when those two things came together for me I kind of felt like I I met my maker and Started down the path of building a business that that could help youth sports and uh, help coaches who were in the same position that I was in.
0: Cool. And so how long ago did you start HeadCheck? Uh, we started
1: HeadCheck in 2013. Uh, we went through product development for a couple of years and launched our product with customers in 2016. Wow. Amazing.
0: And uh, we also have Rebecca on the line. Rebecca, hello. Tell us about yourself. Hi.
2: Okay, so um, I guess my most relevant background is that I did my master's in bioethics and health law uh, Mm -hmm. at a school in New Zealand called the University of Otaku, and it was there that I studied for for my thesis, I wrote about concussion management and professional sport. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, my
2: interest in concussion is very much like Carrie's, where I have... You know, I've been playing sports since a very young age. I've seen so many people suffering from concussion and just saw there was a mismanagement issue. And I've personally had concussions. I had my first concussion at the age of eight horseback riding where I was knocked unconscious. Um, My most recent one was um, in Ultimate Frisbee where uh, it's a non-contact sport, yet here we are. I got elbowed in the back of the head and had another concussion. And so I, um, after graduating, I reached out to HeadCheck to see what opportunities were available. And they said, you know, with your background, how about you start writing some uh, blog posts content for us? And I jumped at that opportunity because it meant I got to stay updated with the literature and uh, also
0: try to inform people
2: a little bit more about what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. So, listeners, if you are a psychology major, you're a a legal professional, you are a physiologist, physical therapist—all of those are roads to femtech. (laughs) We're such a diverse group of people. (laughs) Um, uh, I have yet to meet someone who majored in femtech. That would be a dream if we can make that program. But until then, (laughs) um. So tell us, Carrie, what is HeadCheck Health? So you launched it, you know, 2013 and then 2016 you have customers. So what what do you guys do? Yeah, so we're a software platform that helps organizations
1: manage their concussion protocols and help athletes uh, manage their recovery process. So uh, we basically have an all-encompassing system that allows All of the individuals who are involved in the health and and safety management of an athlete to kind of take part, share the information that's relevant to make sure that the athlete's getting the best kind of care on the road to recovery if they suffer an injury.
0: Okay. Does it include the balance like your co-founder was doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we started
1: off with the balanced technology, and uh, when we went out to market, we actually interviewed a ton of people, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's actually how our our business was formed, was from all of the feedback that we got, where we heard that the balanced technology was great, but there was actually a bigger problem uh, that needed to be addressed, and that was trying to figure out how they could manage all of the paperwork involved in in managing athletes and managing athlete health, specifically around concussion and concussion protocols.
0: Listeners, if you have an idea... You just heard it. The best thing to do is market research. You got to go out and ask people what they actually want. And then you build what they want, right? Because if you spent four years making a scale that measures your balance and you went to market and they were like, this is nice, but you know, like you got to <laughs> do that research ahead of time. Um, so let's talk about the biology of a concussion. What is a concussion?
2: Yeah, Rebecca, do you want to jump on that one? Sure. So in very simple terms, uh, concussion happens when a person receives, a, an impact to the head or the body. It doesn't have to strictly be the head what? and your brain moves within the skull. And in that process, your, your brain kind of twists and turns and neurons stretch. And it basically creates this physiological, um, process that, uh, results in lower energy, uh, like a lower energy within the brain. It, which um, is suspected to uh, cause the symptoms of concussion, and there is also some kind of structural damage in terms of the like the stretching of the neurons, which can also um, cause those symptoms.
0: Did I miss anything, Carrie? <laughs> no, you're good. Does the brain swell? Um. So n-
2: only if it's like a more serious injury uh-huh. would it swell. So there's something called second impact syndrome uh, where, you know, if you, and, and I'll preface this way about why it's so important to educate people about proper concussion management is um, if I get hit in the head, I think I have a concussion. I'm like, I'm going to keep playing because I don't want to let my teammates down. Yeah. Well, and then I receive a second hit to the head. I could actually get second impact syndrome, which is an often fatal swelling of the brain. Whoa. Um, Yeah. And it typically happens with younger athletes, which is why we really need to educate our, you know, high school, middle school, elementary school athletes, you know, to, you know, when in doubt, sit it out, sort of
0: thing. When in doubt, sit it out. And, um, what are the symptoms of a concussion? How does one know if you have it? So, uh, the
2: most prominent, there are a wide variety of symptoms uh, that range from emotional. So um, just just generally having, being more emotional can be a symptom. Hmm. But headache, nausea, dizziness, you don't always have to have a loss of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But that can, if you do lose consciousness, that can be a symptom. Yeah. Uh, well can certainly be a symptom of that as well.
0: Why does someone lose consciousness if they get hit in the head?
2: I actually am not 100% sure on the science behind that question. Yeah, no
0: no worries. I've been known to put my guests on the spot. So don't worry if you don't know. We'll do the research later. Carrie, do you know why? My best understanding is that it's a physiological response. Your body's trying to protect itself. Oh, yeah. Your body's like, oh, hell no. Like, (laughs) I don't know what the hell is going on, but we should probably lay down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think mean, we might need to do a fact check on that one but yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure that's right
0: <laughs> okay yeah if you fact check it I'll include it in the intro and exit for our listeners um interesting sure. very interesting so um and then how long do these symptoms last this like emotional irregulation and the dizziness and stuff
2: um, so they can appear anywhere from immediately after the injury to a couple days afterwards. So that's why it's hard to diagnose a concussion is that symptoms don't always appear right away. In terms of how long they last, that really depends. Most people will um, who suffer from a concussion will recover within one to four weeks. And you know it might be seven seven to ten days you feeling great. And then you can kind of start that return to plate process, return to work process. There are some though, who, um, there are some concussed athletes who, you know, their symptoms last a lot longer than, than four weeks. And that's called post-concussive syndrome. Yeah. And that often requires a little bit more detailed, Treatment where you're going to see a concussion expert Mm -hmm. and they'll refer you to people who will help you with the specific issues Mm -hmm. you're having.
0: What is the treatment for concussions? So, the treatment for concussion um,
2: basically, when you uh, receive a concussion or you suspect that you have one, you want to immediately go to a medical professional and just have them make sure it's not anything serious. Um, and to basically diagnose that you have a concussion Mm -hmm. in those, the following 24 to 48 hours, you want to rest physically and mentally. Mm. So that means you're not on your phone. You're not reading. Um, I know when I had a concussion, what I decided to do, so I wouldn't be bored was I listened to audio books because, um, you can really mentally strain yourself by, by doing anything kind of with your eyes. Uh Um, Uh, requires that, you know, looking at a screen or looking at a book. Mm -hmm. Um, So after the 48 hours, that's when, hopefully when you see your medical professional initially, they'll give you the steps that like, if you're feeling pretty good, this is what the the next steps will be. Mm -hmm. And that's usually a gradual return to normal life. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first day you start with doing some laundry and, like, a light lifting exercise, mm-hmm. um, you know, to lift your laundry basket. And then you're like, okay, I now get 30 minutes of screen time. And and your medical professional will help you with that, and it's often very dependent on the individual, and it's what you can, um, can take, what your body can take. And if you have any kind of exacerbation of symptoms, you take a step back. mm mm-hmm. And you reduce your your um, exercise and yeah. and whatnot.
0: How many concussions happen per year, or like Ooh. whatever whatever kind of statistics are out there? You know, like how prevalent are concussions? I mean, there's a wide variety of statistics out there. Uh, in
1: in the U.S. alone, I believe there's about 4.8 million concussions that occur each year that are mm. reported. Uh, we do know that there's a, a wide number of concussions that go unreported. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletes don't report them or you get into a motor vehicle accident and there's a more serious injury, mm-hmm. injury so that means that concussion doesn't get reported. Uh, so we believe that number is actually much higher. Yeah. Um, and uh, in sports specifically, that is not the number one driver of concussion. Uh, it's actually motor vehicle accidents and um, individual activities, uh, sipping in the shower, uh, actually going for a bike ride. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily
0: consider that um like a team sport event but it's a sporting
1: event all the same that drives a
0: high number of, of incidents interesting all right well i now feel like i know a little bit more about concussions uh let's get into we are on the femtech focus podcast so why are we talking about concussions in terms of women uh does it affect women differently do women get more concussions do our symptoms last longer tell me about the relationship between concussions and women yeah, I mean, starting the conversation off, I, I think I would like to preface the conversation by
1: saying what we know right now is is very different from what we knew 20 years ago when the research was um, a little bit more directed towards the collegiate male football player, and that was sort of the, the most common uh, oh, yeah. area that was we focused for research. We know all about that at
0: so, Femtech Focus. Yeah. All the standards are Absolutely. based on a white man, so <laughs> not, we are not surprised. We are not surprised yeah. that we are re-researching things we've already researched because all the data is based on white men. So, yep, we're all we're on the same page, and we're annoyed, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what? I think it's a great place to start. You've got to you've got to have a, a sort of a base case in order yeah. to build your your knowledge base. And they started expanding all the sports, and then they started looking at, at gender specific focus. And I think, um, as Rebecca will probably mention in in a, in a moment. Um, concussion rates among women um, are are higher. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at same sports, concussion rates are higher. Um, women are more likely to have a reported incident or reported injury. And uh, without taking away all of Rebecca's Sunder, I believe it also takes them longer to recover. So, uh, Rebecca, I know you've been doing a ton of research in this area. Um, might be uh, maybe you can add some color to what I've what
2: I've said there. Yes. So, um, I a hundred percent agree with you, Carrie. We have this background of knowledge that's so useful, but really only to a subset of our population. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, fortunately, uh, research on women, on females with concussion is increasing dramatically. And, uh, a recent blog post that I wrote was based on actually a, a study in, uh, published in 2003, so almost 20 years ago. So this research isn't new. What we're finding isn't new, but it's coming to the forefront because someone has decided that this is now important, which mm-hmm. is great. So, uh, Carrie, you've mentioned the the three top things. Uh, you know, women often have um, a higher injury rate, So in one study, it was almost two times as many uh, concussions with uh, females than with males. Mm. You also have uh, females having more severe symptoms. Now, uh, there's been some interesting studies on kind of why that is. There have been some studies that show that women are not more educated, but that they're more willing to use their knowledge on uh, concussion symptoms to report those symptoms. Mm. And I'm like, oh yes, I know that the you know, X, Y, and Z are uh, concussion symptoms. I have these three things. Whereas uh, males might not be as uh, as forward to do so. And that also has some stigma issues. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why males don't report. Concussion is because they don't want to be judged, which is unfortunate.
0: Yes.
2: And then the final thing is that it typically takes longer for females to um, to recover. And I think they're we're now in that stage where we we you know researchers have seen that females are impacted by concussion differently, and now they're trying to figure out why. Mm -hmm. so we're now into that stage where it's like is it the menstrual cycle is it hormones is it a weaker neck uh like weaker neck muscles
0: so that's all starting to be explored now oh my gosh I have a bunch of questions um (laughs) so you know you said you know it's like twice two x of the concussions are women compared to men is that because um, you also said that there's like this reporting issue, right? And so do, if you think, if let's pretend that all the men reported their concussions at the same rate that women do. Do you think that it would be that we're at the same level of concussions or that women truly like, even if we're all reporting it well, like for both genders, that women do get more concussions than men? And you can guess, or you could tell me you have no idea. I don't, I'm just asking. <laughs>
2: I, I think there is enough
0: research to show
2: that females are definitely impacted more. Got it, and yeah. the unreporting rate is, is I would say uh, maybe I wasn't clear. It's like, I think similar between, between uh-huh. uh, the sexes, uh-huh. but it's more that like when you report a concussion, men will be like, oh, I, I only have a headache. Yeah. It's fine. Whereas Whereas females will say, oh, I have a headache, I have some nausea, and I'm emotional.
1: Got it. Okay. Got it. And I think building on that, the the other component that may play a factor in that is that the access to medical professionals at the sideline may be different by gender. Ooh. Um, I think traditionally you see a lot of uh, medical professionals for sports like football, um, and even um, men's soccer uh, in, at the college level and the high school level are more likely to have um, access to regular full-time um, athletic trainers or athletic therapists. That is only just starting to happen now, I think, in on the on the female sports uh-huh. side. And even within um, hockey in Canada here, um, we see a disparity or a difference in the education level of the people who are the team trainers or the team therapists. And um, I think that may actually also play a role, uh, although it's maybe not being researched, um,
0: extensively. I I think that that could be a contributing factor. This is interesting because this is like so much biology and neuroscience research, but this is also so much sociology. This is so much sociology that has to do with, uh, women being more in their bodies potentially and more aware of their symptoms and being able to articulate those symptoms compared to men, Mm -hmm. women, um, you know, I don't know, maybe their coaches, their entire lives, these women, if they're a professional female soccer player, you know, her whole life she may have had coaches and trainers that allowed her potentially to be more open about her injuries and maybe a man had coaches and trainers their whole life or dads or moms that said, just tough up. You're a man. Like you're not hurt. You know, I wonder, Oh my God, so much of this is also like how we live our lives in different genders. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that that
0: may also be playing a role.
1: I, I think uh, as society changes, there may, we may see some changes in the behaviors and attitudes from both, both genders. And I know, uh, I remember, Oh gosh, it must've been about four years ago. There was a very poignant moment in professional sports history in my mind where Um, Sidney Crosby actually removed himself from play. And so we're starting to see those male athletes accept and be more, I guess, willing to self report those, those incidents. Um, but it's going to take a social change to make it all happen and uh, for the betterment of the athletes.
0: Definitely. There's been several documentaries on Netflix of, um, different football players with, I forget the acronym. Is it ICE? Am I saying that wrong? Which, what is the acronym of like, you have a lot of concussions and there, and it affects your long-term (laughs) behavior. So it's called CTE, CTE. Chronic <laughs> Traumatic Encephalopathy. <laughs> I don't know where I got ice <laughs> from. I don't know where I got it. from. CTE, yeah. <laughs> wow. Tell me more about that. What is CTE? Yeah, so uh, CTE uh,
2: is basically a, a chronic condition that we are currently seeing with uh, typically pro- football players hockey players and some soccer players but again the focus has been on these male professional athletes mm-hmm. um it's actually kind of uh, an example you can point to where like oh we're only focusing on male athletes at this yeah. point um and basically it is a neurodegenerative condition mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily because you've had too many concussions it's possible that it's just the sub-concussive impacts uh, that are basically causing your your brain to degenerate. And it has a bunch of symptoms uh, very briefly, so um, like Alzheimer's or dementia of any kind, Mm -hmm. anger issues or emotional issues, uh, ALS, memory, Mm -hmm. just you know it's it's not a good thing and basically what we've seen with the the football players and the hockey players and and whatnot is that it does happen at quite a young age where you know normally dementia hits you a little bit later on in life mm-hmm. this is happening to 50 60 50 or 6-year-olds
0: yeah Interesting. You know, we, we know that women get Alzheimer's more than men. And for many years, we've always just said, well, women live longer. And someone finally ran the numbers and they were like, "Mm, it doesn't add up. Even when women live longer, you know, like the fact that out of three, two, two out of three, you know, people with Alzheimer's are women. Like that's not, it doesn't add up. So um, I, I can imagine that even if we get the, the social stigma straightened out and men are allowed to, say that they're not well, you know, and their, you know, environment is encouraging them to take it easy and report and all that stuff, um, that it is truly that women's brains, you know, are different. We're different. Um, because obviously we, there's these other brain things, uh, brain health things that affect women's brains differently than men's brains. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of
1: years. I know, um, with the focus on CTE from about 2009, 2011 mm-hmm. onward, um, I think we've seen quite a lot of media coverage around that. That's really helped drive education for, um, a lot of, uh, families and sort of the common person as it were, as it were people who were not necessarily exposed to concussions before, or who didn't know to take it as seriously as maybe yes. we are now. Yes. Um, and I think we're also starting to see, um, with the proliferation of this content, the equality or the drive towards equality of women in sport and also the women, uh, research on women in sport. Um, and we're seeing things, trends that are happening. I, I think actually, uh, even within the, this CTE community, there's actually female athletes now donating their brains in future oh, um, right. to to the research, so that we can do some research on on female brains when when the time comes. And um, it's one of those research studies you have to do after you've passed. Yeah. So uh, they're donating it in advance yeah. uh, with the hope of a long lifespan and hopefully no Alzheimer's.
2: <laughs> well, I, I have donated my brain. Yeah. Oh that's my awesome. god, that's
0: so cool. Oh my god, <laughs> how do I sign up for that?
2: Uh, there's a couple of different
0: ways. I
1: think um, there's a couple of concussion uh, foundations that uh-huh. you can participate with. Uh, there's also, uh, of course, your organ organ donation.
0: Um, will that chip, qualify is- me? Because I'm an organ donor. So will that qualify my brain's going to research too? You can specify organs to go to certain areas, yes. Cool. Yeah. At least in Canada. I actually don't know how it works in the States. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we totally messed that up. So um, I'm going to check it out. And who knows? Maybe if I live really, really long, I'll just go to Canada to make sure that the brain goes (laughs) to the right place. Come Um, on up. uh, What's women... Because with CTE and concussions, I think ice hockey for men, I think... American football, right? Um, what are the women's sports that where they could potentially be getting CTE? Is what high contact sports women get most of their concussions in? Um, so that would be women's
2: soccer has quite high high uh, concussion oh. rates. Women's basketball, uh, which is surprising, I don't know. Um, and then I would. Not enough research has been done on this from what I can tell, but I would say women's rugby would mm. be probably the highest one for that uh, CTE risk because yeah. you might not be getting concussions, but you're definitely having that impact when you attack. constant impact. Yeah. I'm going to put you. I think on. I also read that um, female lacrosse
1: also has really,
0: really lacrosse. high rates.
1: Uh, they have a higher likelihood to suffer a concussion in a game than
0: men playing lacrosse. Wow. Why I is if that? Field hockey as well? Do you think women ah. are like. Are we actually more aggressive or like what's up with that? (laughs) Biased answer from playing basketball against guys versus girls? Yeah, I think we're a little bit more fierce, uh,
1: you know, with our bodies. (laughs) We've got the hip checks going on and whatnot. Oh (laughs) my
0: goodness. (laughs) Biased answer, though. Fully biased answer. What do you think? I mean, you played sports (laughs) growing up, right? I mean, I so I played field hockey cuz I was way too aggressive for basketball. I always fouled out. They were like, "Brittany, you need to stop hitting people. Like that's not how you play basketball." <laughs> so, I found field hockey and found my found my, you know, my spot. But um, I actually got a concussion playing softball. I was uh, you know, we were warming up and it was high school and passing the ball back and forth and I wasn't paying attention. I thought my partner wasn't going to throw it. She threw it, hit my eye. Um, and it was like, I was really confused and like lightheaded and high for like 30 minutes. And, um, then I had this really bad black eye and, uh, you know, I don't remember if they diagnosed me with a concussion or not, which probably means they did. Uh, so, <laughs> you know,
1: yes. I think that's uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about where I want to see head check go. I think, you know, when you're dealing with athletes who have concussion, regardless of gender, there's always that potential that they aren't aware of what their next step step is supposed to be or what they can or can't do, whether they should take more naps or take less naps because they're feeling more fatigued. And I'd like to be able to provide something that allows them or gives them the tools that they need in order to know where they are at what they need to do next, what they can and can't do, um, and make it more accessible for everybody who's trying to help take care of them so that they can communicate so that if a diagnosis does happen, there's a record of it. And then four years later, if unfortunately, you know, you suffer another concussion playing ultimate Frisbee, then you have, um, a record of what happened last time, what symptoms you were experiencing and and how that plays a, a role in your uh, current situation and if there's maybe any confounding variables that, that impact that.
0: Yeah. Luckily, podcasting is a pretty safe uh, profession. So <laughs> <laughs> Not <gone away> there. <laughs> um, uh, putting you on the spot here, quick question, you know, concussion in my mind is like a minor form of a brain injury, right? And, but when it comes to traumatic brain injury, so like real deal, like brain is swollen, there's damage do we know any statistics around if that women have longer recovery times for traumatic brain injuries? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but just wondering.
1: I don't know any of that information off the top of my head. I could definitely take a look and get back to you. And I'm signing um, you a lot of homework. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. it's, it's interesting stuff. I love looking yeah. into it anyway. So um, I think, uh, yeah, Rebecca, have you done any research in that space? I know it's just a little bit further mm-hmm. beyond concussion. It's,
0: so it if is you have a brain
1: bleeder. There's
2: like some sort of formal diagnosis. Concussion's a little bit of a black box almost yeah. of an injury. Exactly. And it's so interesting because they do call concussion a mild traumatic brain injury. Okay. Yeah. But yet when we talk about concussion, we, we try to encourage people to not use the word minor or mild. Mm-hmm. Like there's no such thing as like, Oh, I had a really severe concussion or I had a mild concussion. Like, Every concussion is important, Got it. and and is significant. So, uh, but yes, to actually answer your question, I it's just a little bit outside talking about like a major traumatic brain injury. Yeah, totally, is a bit outside my right, so.
0: Interesting. Well, if any of our listeners, if you're a neuroscientist studying, you know, legit traumatic brain injuries, hit us up. We are interested in women's brains, uh, you know, that get rattled around. We want to know how can we help women recover from uh tbis um what is the future for head check health what's what are some of your future goals yeah i think i I kind of alluded to where i want to go with
1: um with the platform for athletes um we're working right now to try and incorporate the guardians of the parents um, of athletes there's a lot of reporting that can happen by parents especially of youth athletes uh they play a really important role we know how important you know our our um, I call it the, the mum factor, like the protective nature of, of parents are. Um, and I think that there's a lot that we can do for the future of, of athletes and um, uh, youth, I think, especially with the confounding variables of, of concussion or the compounding variables of concussion. Uh, we want to make a tool easier for clinicians really at the end of the day and so we're going to do whatever we can to make this whole process a little bit easier for everybody involved whether it's an athlete or a guardian or a clinician um, one of the trainers the sideline or even the coach um, who maybe won't have the medical training because it's not covered in their first day training but uh, will have access to the tools and then through the system maybe have access to the clinicians that they need access to and the goal is to try and help provide a better outcome for athletes and help give them that, that whole record so that, uh, if they suffer multiple impacts, uh,
0: they have a record of it and can kind of take it with them, whatever sport they play or whatever, uh, whatever level of, of sport they get to. Yeah. Better documentation. Amazing. Well, um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, aspiring founders that listen to our podcast, and I would like to ask you what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating. Hmm. I've seen some really cool tech
1: in, um, this is so different from concussion, but pelvic floor training. Uh-huh, <laughs> I've yeah. seen a lot of really cool tech in that in that space recently, um, just through the network. And, you know, I, I think uh, being a female founder, you you get to know a lot of other female founders. So that's mm-hmm. that's an area that I think I'd like to see a little bit more work in, because I, I know of a lot of people who suffer from um, issues, particularly after after pregnancy.
0: Yeah, and um, sports so especially, be an right? Because that's what we always yeah. hear about is... We mostly hear about, like, you know, not professional sports people having a baby, and then they can't do jumping jacks anymore without peeing themselves. But I can imagine that's legit inconvenient when your job is to do jumping jacks, right?
1: (laughs) So that's, that's your profession yeah, you're paid to do jumping jacks <laughs> yeah huge trend of of um, mothers in sports and sort of being a mother and playing professional sport i think um, last year there was a huge article about uh, a, a soccer player in the nwsl who had their child basically at the sideline um, after a game and what? uh she was yeah it, it's i'll find it and flip it over to you it's a really interesting article and it's sort of like the whole perspective around um Moms in sport. I think that's gonna be a trend moving forward. So it'll
0: it'll be interesting yes. to keep an eye on that for sure. Whoa, that sounds like I don't know what position she was playing if she was that pregnant. <laughs> no, no, you no.
1: Know? She had the baby with her. She wasn't oh, pregnant when she was playing. Guys. Oh my gosh, I totally cyber. heard
0: <laughs> I heard you say I heard nine months pregnant woman and the game finished and she gave birth. That's what I heard. (laughs) So apparently I am just a total dreamer here. (laughs) Fantasy land. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. She had the baby. No, but I think there's like
1: social acceptance around you can be a professional athlete and you can be a mom to a a young child and you can
0: do both things successfully. And I think that is a, um, a positive movement. Absolutely. Um, and what do you think the femtech as it Femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful?
1: Mm, that's a really good question. I think, uh, you know, given given the circumstances of our economy right now, I think uh, giving the voices uh, or the, the voice to uh, female founders and particularly female health tech founders, mm-hmm. I think that's that's something that I'd like to see more of. Um, and I think by getting that the voice up, We're going to see increased opportunities for people who want to join female-led organizations, um, female investment, and hopefully, uh, in future, female investors. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's sort of a cyclical event or a cyclical series of of events that need to happen in order to see the whole industry bloom. But I think we're starting down the right path, and we just need to do more of it.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for this super interesting talk today. Wow. I learned a lot about concussions my listeners know I'm literally learning on record with them so thank you so much for what you do and and thanks for the lesson today
1: thanks for having us it was exciting to be here and uh, I look forward to hearing all of the things that come of this afterwards thank you Thanks very so right. much
0: Thank you for listening to my interview with Carrie Costello, co-founder and COO, and Rachel Babcock, a researcher at HeadCheck Health. I think this is a really interesting episode because, in my opinion, it sounds like the science still needs to be done if women truly have more concussions, truly have worse symptoms, and truly take longer to recover, or is this a societal issue where men are told to brush off injuries? and are less in tune with their bodies, which is then skewing the medical data. I want to hear what y'all think about this. Are any of you researchers in this space? Are any of you students that want to go into studying neurobiology of female concussions? Or do we have some psychologists or sociologists that listen that have an input on this discussion? Well, join our virtual community and let's start it. You can join the network through our website, femtechfocus.org. Another way to chat with the Femtech-focused team and the Femtech community is by attending our Tuesday night listening parties. This Tuesday, tomorrow, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, we're listening to the episode with Kimberly Seal-Allers, which is on Black women's health inequality. It's a really heavy and powerful episode. You will not want to miss it. Ready, fans? If you love our content, then please consider donating to Femtech Focus, which is a nonprofit organization. We still have our Giving Tuesday campaign running on our website through the end of the year. Your contributions go directly to helping us elevate the Femtech industry. You can also support the show by sharing it with a friend, subscribing, and leaving a positive review. Last week, we actually had 400 new subscribers in seven days, so I know y'all are sharing it like crazy, and I appreciate it. To stay up to date on FemTech News and events, follow us on social at FemTechFocus, subscribe to our newsletter, and join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.